BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to episode 40 of Full Court Press. We've hit the big 4-0. Um, we got some uh, exciting news coming down uh, as far as the future of the show. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, let me introduce uh, our panelists. Uh, Jawan, what's up, man? What's going on? Ready to talk some basketball. Indeed, sir. Joel, what's going on, man? I'm super psyched, man. I just hooked up my mini fridge in my bedroom, so I'm all ready to drink and talk basketball. Hell yeah. That's <laughs> what's up, dude. Um, so, uh, so yeah, just to give the viewers uh, a little rundown of what we got uh, coming down the um, the beltway. That's the second time I've said that in two days. I said that the other day. I said that yesterday on Geek Vibes Live. I was like, coming down the uh, uh, beltway, like... Uh, the anyway. Park Parkway? That's a New York thing. Yeah, like, I don't know, man. I don't know what the hell I'd be saying. Um, but anyway, we're, we're going to be having... Here, man. <laughs> we're we're going to be having two shows a week uh, starting this week. Uh, so tonight we'll be on for an hour and a half, and then we'll also have another hour and a half show on Thursday. Um, Joel's going to be uh, joining us on Monday nights, and Luke will be on Thursday nights, and me and Jawan will uh, more, you know, moreover be be here for both nights usually. Um, so anyway, let's get into some topics. Uh, before we jump into the NBA, obviously this is an NBA podcast, but I would be remiss if I did not talk about UMBC becoming the first ever 16 seed to upset a number one seed by throttling Virginia in the second half by 20 points last Friday. Um, it's, it was amazing. I, like I've, I mean, obviously none of us have ever seen anything like it, um, but not just the fact that they beat them, but they destroyed them. Um, now, unfortunately, UMBC came back down to earth last night and ended up losing a, a relatively uh, close contest to Kansas State. Um, but nevertheless, you can't take away, you know, the first ever 16 seed to beat a one seed. 
remarkable achievement. So shout out to UMBC. Um, Joel, uh, did you get a chance to catch the game or at least catch the highlights? And, you know, what are your general thoughts of a 16th seed finally beating a one seed? Uh, I didn't see the game. I definitely caught some of the highlights. And this is uh, the tournament in general has been absolutely ridiculous. Like, it's been bracket buster here. Like, nobody is safe (laughs) from anybody. Um, So that was the biggest one because I know a lot of people that were choosing Virginia to win it, win it all. You know, they had them in the final four, and at the very least, probably winning it all. They had the best defense in the the country. So it's like they got out deed out. (laughs) They got out hustled. They got out played. And maybe it was a one-off, but that's all it is. Like, like this is a tournament. If you, you don't, it's not a series. So you, you gotta, you gotta bring it, or you're gonna be out. And that's just basically what happened. And it's completely shocking because this, is, you said, it's the first time a 16 seed has ever beat a first. Yep, first time it's ever happened. So that's history right there. And don't get me wrong, uh, it's it's special. But because of all the other crazy shit that's been going on, it probably will get lost in the shuffle of all the upsets that's happened so far. But yeah, it's been a crazy it's been a crazy tournament so far. Yeah. I mean it really has like only uh two number one seeds remain, Kansas and Villanova. Um mm-hmm. and you know, moreover like we Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like Villanova a lot too. Um you know, they they've consistently been there. Um, but but also there's only two number two seeds left in Purdue and Duke. Um, so like you said, I mean there's Duke. been I like Duke a lot a lot of crazy. I hate Duke, but they're really good. I, I like give them that. I I, I, I hate them. <laughs> yeah, I hate them. Um, they're dirty, man. I don't like them. Um, damn, Grace Allen. Good, <laughs> yeah, that, that that's very true. They are dirty good. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, it's it has it's been a it's been a crazy bracket. Um, kind of your your maybe one long shot that that's uh still in there. I mean, Syracuse is an 11 seed, but you know, their 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 rep is better than an 11 seed even though that's where they came mm-hmm. in this season. Um but Loyola right. 11 is still in it. They got Nevada um as their matchup in the Sweet 16. Definitely a winnable game for them. So, they could mm-hmm. be your uh, Cinderella story for this year and that would be that would be something really interesting. Um, but Jawan, I know you don't watch a lot of college basketball, but just your general thoughts on uh, a 16 seed upsetting a one seed for the first time ever. Uh, that's one of the things that confused, well, not confuses me, that I always thought was crazy about college basketball. It's like these number one seeds or these top teams always, and they call it upsets. I always hate the idea of an upset because I feel as though if you're deeming it an upset, that means you didn't think the other team stood a chance. And I think every time you say that, it always sets up whoever the favor is uh, to to lose that game. So just shout out yeah. to any of the teams that are quote unquote upsetting <laughs> He's these guys. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's just one of those things where it's just like if if you're one of the best teams out there and you're prepping for this team, uh, you, how is it that you're just that far off? Like. Some of these guys are, are losing, and it's just badly. I, I don't mean badly like blown out, but it's just like it looks like they don't even deserve to be on the, the floor sometimes uh, with these quote-unquote uh, lesser teams. So it's just always fun to see these, again, quote-unquote upsets because all it is is just one team that just happened to be better than the other, and it, it just looks like they prepared better. Yeah, uh, and and it is crazy because, I mean, college basketball is is a very fickle thing, and that's why – like nobody will ever have a perfect bracket 
Um, that's why, you know, you get crazy shit like this that happens. Um, and another thing that I wanted to mention. Yeah, exactly. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, um, Virginia lost DeAndre Hunter coming into this game. Um, now for those of you out there who don't know who DeAndre Hunter is, he's a freshman, uh, forward, um, very, like he didn't play a whole lot of minutes for them because they're such a deep team with a lot of um, older players. Um, but he carved out a very important niche for that team. Um, and I think not having him really hurt them. And I think it'll be interesting to see if potentially um, he declares for the NBA draft or he decides to go back and, and spend another year at Virginia. Uh, I think he'll be a first-round pick if he declares. Um, I think – and I think the fact that Virginia, you know, ended up losing to the 16th seed, like, right after he got hurt, nice. I don't know that that would drive up his draft stock. But, I mean, we all kind of saw what – even with an injury, we saw what happened with OG Ananobi. You know, he, he was taken 23rd overall. He would have been higher if he yeah. wasn't hurt. But Indiana definitely suffered from not having him. And I think – in certain circumstances, that kind of thing can can help a player's uh, or a prospect's um, overall ranking. Uh, but yeah, I definitely have him in the twenties on my big board. I think he'll definitely be a a, a first round pick uh, if if he decides to uh, to go. Um, and another thing that I think is interesting is just you know all of our top prospects. Um, you know, out of out of everybody who's who's you know potential lottery picks, you've only got three teams left that have them: uh, Villanova, Duke, and Kentucky. So sad. I know. I know. Like so, I mean, some of the the best talent in this year's NBA draft is already out in the tournament. And yeah, as somebody who like follows prospects more than the actual tournament or more than college per se, um, very disappointing for me because I was I was mm-hmm. really hoping like. I was so mad yeah, when Syracuse beat, beat Michigan State, man, because I wanted to see Jaron Jackson and Miles Bridges go up against mm-hmm. Wendell Carter and uh, Marvin Bagley. That would have been That's what I was looking a hell of a lot to. of fun. It's so to disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really Such is, man. But, yeah. But, hey, man, that's the tourney for you. I mean, it's it's always crazy. Um, but, anyway, let's, let's jump into some uh, actual NBA news before Jawan falls asleep. Uh, Ty Lue <laughs> has stepped away from coaching the Cavs indefinitely due to due to health reasons. Uh, this comes just days after he and LeBron were seen arguing on the bench in a loss against Portland. Juwan, are you buying Cleveland's reasoning for Lue's indefinite departure? Um, I said it yesterday. Uh, yeah, I do believe it. Uh, I, I was hearing that he was um, coughing up blood and stuff like that. So um, I definitely believe it. But in, uh, before I go into it, I'm going to say I do want to preface it by saying um, I hope he gets well very soon, um, and I hope, you know, everything is okay with him. But that's not going to stop me from getting my jokes off. Uh, yeah, LeBron definitely <laughs> told him to stay at home. Uh, he told him, you're no longer needed on my court. Stay at home. I don't need you to travel with us, any of that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where it's like a lot of people are trying to downplay it, but it did come like a few days to maybe a week after that huge explosion that those two had on the bench. I won't say huge, but that, that argument that those two had on the bench. Yeah, it was uh, like so it over the weekend. Funny. 
I mean, yeah. that game oh, was okay. Friday, so and this weekend. announcement is Monday. So, yeah, it's, it's just a right. weekend, you know. So it looks weird. It looks like LeBron was like, "All right, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fire you because that would look horrible right before we're about to enter the playoffs." But I will tell you, you need to spend some time at home. Like the, the wife and kids need to see you more than they are right now. And and when I deem it to be okay, you can come back. Uh, so that's definitely how I see how how that situation went. Oh, that's interesting, Joel. Uh... As somebody who's not as much into the, we'll call it, deep league conspiracy theories, uh, someone who who relies more on uh, what is said and what can be visibly seen and facts, uh, are you buying any of this? Do you you give it any credibility that LeBron is is somehow uh, behind this situation? Uh, I don't like to think he is, uh, considering – this is the weirdest fucking thing ever. Like, who does that shit? Like, in the middle, you know, towards the end of the season. Just the most, yeah. so random. <laughs> um, is he sick? I, I'll believe it. He says he's sick. Uh, but uh, most of the diagnosis I've, I've heard, aside, I didn't know he was coughing up blood. That's news to me. But uh, everything else sounds like he was just dealing with some type of anxiety uh, or whatever the hell he's going through. Um, which sucks, obviously. Uh, you don't want that. We've seen a couple coaches have to um, step away from the team this year due to health issues. So it's not uncommon either. But obviously there's more drama there because it, is, it ain't just nobody. It's Ty Lue, And it's just – he's not the best coach. I think we could all agree he's not – probably not even the best fit for the Cavs. He kept his job because they ended up winning the championship. And you can't say it was all him, but at the same time you can't say he hurt. So he kept the job. They haven't really been able to stay afloat since. Uh, I mean, they've been able to stay afloat, but that's about it. They haven't been able to surpass that time period. And it's sad, but at the same time, probably what's best for the team. Uh, I think what Larry Drew's taking over now, he's not yeah. a bad coach. <laughs> you know, he's been with the team for a while now. Larry Drew's a decent coach. You know Larry Drew. Wasn't he coaching the Hawks at one point or was that the Raptors? I yeah. Uh, no, he, so I, I'm like, pretty um, sure he, he coached, yeah. Yeah, so you know him more than I do. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I like I like it. It's okay. Uh, he's decent, uh, but I guess we'll see what happens. Is basically what it is. I have no idea for sure, but it's sad. It's just sad to see a guy. You know, he he is the coach of the team, regardless. So it's sad to see him like get sick or whatever. But I don't I don't want to believe that he has anything to do with telling him to stay away. But if he's really sick and he's telling him to stay away, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I'm going to kind of take it even a different angle than both of you guys on this one. Um, I just find it interesting that everybody who's playing in in Cleveland, except for LeBron, is, like, suffering from fucking anxiety. Like, I mean, Kevin Love's having (laughs) panic attacks. Like, Ty Lue is, is like, obviously has, has, you know, some kind of problem if, if, you know, the reports are to be believed. And, And there's even credible evidence to back up that this is, you know, um, health related and, and you know he's had to he's had to remove himself from a few games this season and obviously Kevin Love had to do the same thing. Um like it, it's just strange. It's like man, what is going on there that is creating this environment this really toxic environment of um you know everybody feeling so much pressure that you know it it's it's crumbling their mental psyche. Um, I, and you know, like you, 
you hate to say it, but it's like, man, like the, the kind of common denominator here is LeBron. Like, you know, LeBron puts a lot of pressure, um, whether he intends to do it or not, you know, there's a lot of pressure that comes with playing with him. Um, and obviously, you know, Kevin Love has, has had some, some trouble this year with it. Um, now Ty Lue, um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's been any sort of reports about uh, JR um, having that kind of thing. But, of course, there's the soup throwing incident. And that damn soup was even thrown at Larry Drew, I believe. So that'll be another interesting fucking dynamic. Um, mm. so just, just a lot going on with that team, man. Um, I hope they can tie it together. Um, and like, you know, don't just completely fall apart because I think, you know, I think we all want LeBron to stay in Cleveland. Um, and in order for him to like do that, he needs to be like, that team needs to be competitive. They need to be a good team. And, mm-hmm. you know, they've, they've, they've had a lot of roster upheaval and all that. But, like, right now they're just still, like, not a good team. They have not been a good team since Isaiah Thomas, re- you know, returned to the court um, and, and started playing for them. Um, you know, so. Borderline that I w- before that. I will. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would say. I would say that the the biggest issue I feel as though Ty Lue and and Love are um, are stressing over is um, we thought it wouldn't hurt them as much as it seems to 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 be hurting them, but losing someone like Kyrie um, who helped take some of the pressure off of Kevin Love, I'd even say made Kevin Love more so invisible. Um, because of how how great Kyrie played alongside LeBron. Now that there's no Kyrie, it's like, all right, well, we're depending on you to be our our next guy. And Kevin Love's like, yeah, well, I've spent like the last two or three years not being that, so how do you guys just want me to flip this switch on now? And as as Ty Ty Lue, it hurts not having a guy who is somewhat of a changer for you. Uh, He's your closer. uh, He's your scorer. He's your go-to guy. And when you don't have someone like that out there, it is really stressful to, to, to get offense going when you're trying to create offense with Jeff Green or you're expecting JR to just get super hot or Corver to come out and give you four or five threes. So I can definitely see how that also – I'm not saying that's the, the driving force, um, but that could also play into why things are just really amping themselves up a lot more now because now it's – more attention to all right. Well, Ty Lue, you you don't have Kyrie. If you're if you're you know a good coach, you would make things work. You have LeBron, make it work. And with Kevin Love, it's like all right, Kyrie's gone, but you're an all star. Make it work. And to those two guys who have been pretty much <laughs> the invisible ones uh, when Kyrie and LeBron were playing at their at their you know their peaks together, it's just like maybe they aren't built for <laughs> for that kind of responsibility to where you know it's on them. A hundred percent, and I think that's what what's really getting to. Uh, I'd say love definitely, but maybe even that plays a part with with Tyron Lue. Yeah, I mean it's certainly possible. I mean I think it's interesting that that Kevin Love was playing very well before Isaiah Thomas came back, and it was mm-hmm. like once Isaiah Thomas they tried to fit him into the equation, then it goes you know again, Kevin Love has to completely adjust his game that he's already worked almost, you know, probably a third of the season to to transform his game and become that second option. Um, 
now when he comes back, he should be the clear second option again. Um, but it's just it's it's upheaval after upheaval after upheaval. Um, and the thing is, like, LeBron's gonna get his. Like, LeBron's gonna like he's gonna play well. But it's like, can these other guys? Do they have enough time to fit, find their roles, and excel in those roles? Uh, you know, before the season's out, and with the the amount of pressure that's on the line, um, with you know, just uh, if we don't play well, maybe LeBron leaves. Like, that's that's got to be so much pressure, an immense amount of pressure. Um, and you know, I, I do. I feel bad for Ty Lue because you know, like Joel said, he's not he's not one of the best coaches. I mean. There's definitely even coaches who don't currently have jobs that we would rank ahead of Ty Lue. Um, but nevertheless, mm-hmm. it wasn't Ty Lue's fault that, you know, the nope. organization pissed off Kyrie, and then Kyrie's like, well, all right, well, I want out. You know, it wasn't his fault that, um, you know, that they got Isaiah Thomas and were like, hey, make this work. And it's like, okay, I'll I'll try, you know. It's not his fault that LeBron, you know, won't commit to anything longer than a two-year deal and usually these one-in-one deals. Um, so it's a lot of pressure to put on any coach, you know, never mind a coach who's, you know, not the best coach, you know. Like, that's the kind of pressure that you would expect someone like George Popovich to manage just fine. Um, but, you know, somebody like Ty Lue who just got thrusted into this head coaching position just a couple of years ago um, – you know, he yeah. didn't have the, the experience. Middle of the year. Yeah, Just like he didn't now. have the experience. And, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, it really is. Um, but before we move on, did you have anything you wanted to add, Joel? No, you guys pretty much covered it. You guys pretty much nailed <laughs> most of it. <laughs> All right, word. Um, but, yeah, so it'll be an interesting thing to watch in Cleveland. Um, like, you know, how this affects the team. Do they Do they play better under Larry Drew? Do they – you know, um, are they able they to tie together? <laughs> yeah, like, because, I mean, right now, <laughs> the time like, <laughs> yeah, and you're looking at, like, maybe having to play the Sixers in the first round. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you still got Boston out there. You still got Toronto's playing great. Like, of course, mm-hmm. we're going to have to see Lowry and DeRozan, you know, you know, bring it in the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, you know, this is a completely different Raptors team. There's just it seems like there's a lot more competition out there than we thought there was. Um, so, couple that sure. with the Cavs' upheaval and, and constant turmoil and and everything else, it's it, it's going to make for a very interesting uh, Eastern Conference uh, playoffs for sure. Playoffs. Um, but let's uh, let's jump over to the West. Alvin Gentry went off after a close loss to the Rockets on Saturday. Gentry was upset that Davis doesn't seem to get foul calls and the nature of calls that always seem to go Harden's way, a complaint many coaches have levied throughout this season. Um, so this will be kind of a two-part question. Let's let's get into the kind of Anthony Davis side, um, and then we'll get, you know, kind of take the, the James Harden side. Um, do you all think there's, there's serious credence to what Alvin Gentry is saying in that Anthony Davis – uh, doesn't really get calls that he deserves to get. Uh, I'll start with you, Juwan. Um, Yeah, I completely back him. And what frustrated me the most um, about that game specifically, I won't speak as a season, uh, you know, as, as the full season because I don't watch every Pelicans game, but I did watch that game. 
And what bothered me the most is AD is one of those guys that wasn't really getting in the ref's face or yelling at the ref. Uh, he wasn't even, you know, being overly dramatic with his histrionics. Like, he was just saying, like, they're, they're killing me down here, man. Like, someone has to see this. And if you're the ref, and for, for a player of his caliber to be that calm and you, not, and you still, the next time he, he drives to the lane or the next time one of those smaller guys on, on the pick and roll is just clipping him, you're doing nothing, I think that's just blatantly disrespectful to, to Anthony Davis. Uh, I think they're still treating him like he's a rookie, like he still has to prove himself, like this guy isn't out there dominating, uh, you know, when, when healthy, of course. Uh, so Alvin was completely in the right. Uh, I'd even say he was so much in the right that the NBA definitely shouldn't find him for, for anything that he said. Uh, he was well within his rights to say what, what he said, and AD just continues to get robbed. Uh, and if they do make the playoffs, I am terrified for what will happen, uh, especially wherever they're, they're seated at. Um, but what will happen to AD in the playoffs, knowing that he gets no calls from the refs? Yeah, and it's it's interesting too because you know if if you watch all of what Alvin Gentry was saying, he was you know essentially saying, "A, we're not the type of team to air this out publicly. Like we haven't done it all season." You know, we, we and AD is not the the type of guy as you were saying, Yolan, to really complain. And he's like, you know, we've we've gone through the motions that the league, you know, the structure that the league um asks us to. Um, you know, we've we've played by the numbers with, you know, every every situation and filled out our, our, our reports and um our um our quandaries and everything else, um, you know, pretty much by the numbers and nothing changes. So, you know, I, I can certainly understand why Alvin Gentry is like, enough is enough, dude. Like, you, you know, we're fighting for a playoff spot. You know, we lost this game by six points. Like, you know, those three or four foul calls that you blatantly miss, you know, that, that's that's huge in a game like that for a team like ours. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I can see where, where Alvin Gentry is coming from. Um, Joel, what, what were your thoughts on this whole spiel? Yeah, I, I think I agree. I like my my thing with the refs is you don't notice it until like for me especially like I have biggest issues with the refs when it's obviously your team that you're cheering for a team you're cheering for you you notice the little things more often or you pay attention yeah. to what they the missed calls and the non calls more like I know for a fact James Harden be getting some bullshit at call like I know that I've seen it I've seen it happen and I've seen it not get called on the other side and I want to punch the screen. I've seen it. I've seen it, and it's frustrating. And and AD is not a guy, like y'all said, that is going to come out and say shit uh, or bitch about it because that's just not – he's not a flopper, at least not that I remember. I don't remember him being flailing around and shit. That's more of a boogie thing. But still, that's – but AD's not like that kind of guy. He doesn't do it, and he should get – I mean, they should be commended for it. But at the same time, if it's working for everybody else, maybe you should throw your arms around there a little bit more because it works for fucking James Harden, who was always on the fucking floor. So it's just a matter of, like, it's frustrating. And now Jersey has all the right in the world to be frustrated because it's, it's very annoying. And he's, he's right. They're playing for a playoff spot. So it's even more important that these motherfuckers don't get shit wrong. And, hey, look, I don't want to be under ref. Like, I don't want to be there because I was almost a ref at one point. You know, I, 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 I was going to take a class and everything. I never got to it, but that's why I was going to do it. Uh, but 
I don't. That's a tough job, and I can't imagine the stress those guys go through. But sometimes I'm like, are they blind, or are they willingly not looking at certain things? Because that's how it feels sometimes. And sometimes it feels like they're biased. The stars get all the calls. The AD's a star. You can't say he's not a star just because he's in a small market doesn't mean he's not a star. So I truly understand what Gentry's coming from. So I'm I'm totally with him completely. And no, he shouldn't be fine, but he will be because that's just what happens. Everybody gets fine when they bitch about the rest. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, he's, I, he's I, definitely gonna get fined. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jawan. No, I was just gonna say uh, to to what you and Joel were saying. I, I think what what really uh, upsets me the most about uh, what happened in this last game is. The refs always say, the refs in the league always say, don't come out, like, you know, in the public and, and bash the referees. If you have any issues, you guys know you can talk to the refs before and after the game and whatnot. So it's like, all right, well, Alvin file, And file like, something okay. to the league, too. Right. right. So Alvin Gentry. So they can say like, we're sorry. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. That That's super meaningless. But Alvin Gentry's sitting there and saying, okay, so we've done it the right way the entire year. Uh, maybe not a thousand percent when Boogie was was playing, but he's still <laughs> going about it to where, uh, as far as Anthony Davis, he does not do that. So t- to me, it's just like you can't even give him respect enough to when he tells you, okay, in this game, you know, this is this is what they're doing to me. You can't at least just keep an eye out and see if that's actually what's what's going on. It, I feel like he goes, listen, they're killing me on the pick and rolls you know, they're clipping my knees or whatever the small guys are doing to AD. So when he tells you that, how is it that it happens again and again and again right after he told you that? You didn't try to look out for it to see if he was, you know, if there were any credence to what he was saying? I just feel as though they completely disrespect Anthony Davis. And, again, it really scares me if they do make the playoffs because I feel as though they, they, they will act the same way. And those games extremely matter. Um, and I yeah. feel like, you know, there's a chance they could get robbed a lot because the refs are just blind to, to, to Anthony Davis. Well, and here's the thing. I don't even necessarily think this is an Anthony Davis problem. Um, I think huh. this is I, – I don't. I don't. I mean, I think yeah. if you look at the – if you, it's a ref problem. Because if you look at the league, it's a we're not going to call we're, – we're going to be very liberal with how we call – guys who are bigger, stronger, or guys driving to the mm-hmm. basket. Like, we're not going to give mm-hmm. them all, their, all the calls that we, you know, have given them in the past. It's been – it's happened all season. So, sure, you can say they're consistent, but it's like, you know, I don't know if y'all caught the tail end of the Toronto game the other night where DeMar DeRozan was obviously fouled. Um, and, you know, they went off about it. Um, and it was, it was so obvious, but it was the same kind of thing. He was driving to the bucket – um, you get in these tra- high traffic areas, and they're just, they don't blow their whistles. And they've done that a lot this season, a lot more than ever before. You know, we've talked about it earlier this season where they're almost refing all of this regular season like a, like a playoff series. And it's just really weird. Like, they've been holding their whistle a lot. And I don't know if that's, if that's just a, a byproduct of them tired, getting tired of, um, you know, guys uh, bitching every time they get a whistle. You know, every time they get a whistle on them, they bitch. They're like, fine, we'll, we'll call it looser. Um, and then, you know, then you get people bitching because you're calling it looser. So I feel for the refs. I think they're in, in a tough situation. But I don't think this is, is a 
just an Anthony Davis thing. I think we've seen it with LeBron um, not getting calls when he's driving to the basket um, on, on calls that he should definitely get. We've seen it with Russell Westbrook. Um, there's mm-hmm. been a lot. Um, however, one guy who always seems to get calls, who you alluded to, Joel, is James Harden. Um, he and part of why I think Alvin Gentry was so pissed wasn't solely because Anthony Davis wasn't getting calls. I think that was the the precipice for it was set it off. Um, but I think as you alluded to, Joel, what what kind of pissed him off even more was the fact that Harden was getting everything under the sun. Um, do you think? Like, what do you think is kind of behind that? I mean. Obviously, y'all have kind of the way you see the Anthony Davis thing versus, you know, how I see it, um, whereas I see it more as a systemic problem with refs. Um, and maybe you agree with me to a certain extent, and there's just gray and in, in, in where we overlap. Um, but how do you see this whole James Harden situation? Um, do you think he gets fair calls and the rest of the league doesn't? Uh, just your your kind of thoughts on, on Harden and, and the refs. Uh, start with you, Juwan. Um, I, I, I don't want to say it's, it's, uh, a huge, a huge, uh, you know, thing for just James Harden, um, because I'm not necessarily a hundred percent sure his, um, his rate, uh, of going to the line. I know it's very high. Um, but, uh, it, to me, it's just an issue of if you watch Harden, not only does he usually always initiate the contact, but it's like ticky tacky calls that he gets, especially when he's on the three-point line. That's that, like that the game against the Pelicans where I now granted I know the rules say you can't touch a shooter uh, on his way up to shooting the ball, but that looked so thin. It's like okay, hold on. So you don't see when AD is getting getting mugged, but you see when it looks like the hair on the guy's hand might have touched the elbow of Harden and you miraculously see that clear as day. So to me, it's just like I feel as though Harden, because he drives to the lane so much, I don't even think Westbrook gets anywhere near uh, as many calls as Harden does, and I feel as though he drives to the, the rim a lot more recklessly uh, to yeah. where it's just like, all Which right, why? I don't know if he just – yeah, I don't know if he – well, that's a really good point, Joel. I, I give you that. That's a really good point. Uh, Harden's more of a finesse. Um, so I could definitely see why they feel as though, oh, well, he definitely had to get hit on his way up. But he's a flopper. He is a flopper. Mm-hmm. I think him and Marcus Smart could could start a school. Um, <laughs> he is just like it's. It, hey, LeBron would so be the president of that school. I don't know if he flops school. more than Harden. I don't know if he flops no, more than Harden. No, no, he does it. He's yeah, okay. the, the king of it. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Well, he gave the blueprint like for it. You know what I mean? I was yeah. say, it looks like Harden He's created the idea of flopping. Uh, yeah, yeah. James Harden said, "I'll take, I'll take your flop and raise it." <laughs> like <and> he is <laughs> the best at it. Like Marcus Smart probably does it more blatantly because it's easy. It's a lot easier Definitely. to spot when Smart uh-huh. is doing it. Um, so and even LeBron, like LeBron, doesn't do it as much as he used to, but he still does it sometimes. No. But yeah, Harden has mastered it. Um, he, he he truly has. But Joel, what are you? What are your general thoughts on this? I know you, um, you know, kind of said a little bit earlier. But any further thoughts that you have on this whole Harden, uh, flop ref, you know, all of the above situation? 
Nah, same shit. Like uh, he, he's the master of the flop, so he's gonna get all these calls, and like they they're gonna have to call it. You want to say by the books, but like you were saying, there's such a gray area. Like some nights they call this, some nights they don't. You don't know who's getting what. But James Harden seems to always get the call, mainly because he acts it out more. And he's a finesse guy. Like Russell Westbrook's an aggressive guy, so sometimes they're looking for because he's going so fast and so hard at the basket. You're looking for the offensive foul. <laughs> like he's gonna run. Through <laughs> <laughs> that's, what it, cause that's what it looks like. Same thing with LeBron yeah. sometimes. He's such a monster. You're like, and, and look, Melo. Melo had so much time in the years past. Melo didn't get any fucking calls under that basket. And that boy has no ups. So he'd be sitting there trying to do, like, layups and be missing the wide <laughs> open because he thinks he's going to get hit. And nobody fucking touches him. And it's, fu- it's so frustrating. And the, sometimes <laughs> he gets fouled. he got his headband up his nose. It's not, it's not fair. And on the other side, any little tiki tack foul is a foul, and it's just not—it's just not right, and it's just how things are, and it's—it's—it's—it's hard—it's hard to fix, because you can't be like, oh, I want everything called, because you don't—you honestly don't want everything called. We'll never have a game. You don't—you don't, you don't right. want everything <laughs> called. But at the same time, you got—you got to be a little more even on both sides. I, I just talk about balance. Like, there's makeup calls. I believe in that. I've always grown up knowing that there's makeup calls. They're like, they didn't call it on that side. That was a bullshit call, but you know what? They made up for the other side. They didn't call it on the other side. Right. Or they didn't call it the possession before. There are definitely makeup calls. I've definitely seen that before. And, <laughs> yeah, and, but it doesn't seem like there really is anymore. It's not as prevalent you know, as it used to be. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's say it like that. It's not as prevalent as it used to be. And especially, like, remember, too, like, when – like, essentially, somebody would foul somebody, um, and the ball would go out of bounds, and instead of calling the foul, they would just give the ball to the team that got fouled yeah. instead of calling a foul. It's like, you yeah. can't do that anymore because yeah. instant replay. Like, so if yeah, you, too, if you don't make that now. foul they call, can't get away with it. yeah, yeah, <laughs> if you don't make that foul call, then, you know, you have to worry about, oh, we're going to have to go check the cameras, and, like, then, yeah. you know, we, at that point, we can't go back and retroactively call the foul call. So you're you're absolutely right. It's really really difficult um and it's like it's like at least in in football you kind of you, you kind of err towards the side of you know like like keep the ball in play if 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 it's a if it's a questionable call then let the play finish out keep it in play even if you think like say you know I'm not sure he made that catch but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna err on that side, and we'll go back and look at it. And if he didn't, we'll reverse it. But like, you know, we can't say he did make the catch and then not let him finish out the play, um, because then where do we spot the ball? It's it's like more clear in football. In basketball, it's kind of weird. It's like little little plays like that are so much harder because they don't have that leeway when they fuck it up. Like when they fuck it up and they go back and they mm-hmm. look at it, it's like, all right, well, it. It's, you know, Team A's ball, even though it's like, well, Team A fouled Team B, you know, so where are we here? Um, so it's it's tough. My my thing would be this, um, kind of like just overarching. I I agree with you, Joel. You can't call everything. Like, that is, that is obvious. Like, we would have four-hour-long games, and everyone would foul out. Like, you can't – you just can't mm-hmm. do that. Um, but like, if you're going to call it that tough inside the paint, then you can't be calling that fucking foul on Drew Holiday when he just had his arm out and James Harden jumped into it. 
You know, like, I don't fault James Harden for taking advantage of the rules. Um, And I don't even fault the refs for calling it because technically that's a foul. But maybe we should look at the rules. Like, maybe we should say, if you initiate the contact like that, we're not going to call it. That's They've done right. this. They, 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 they essentially changed the way that uh, N1s work because of that. Like, there yeah, are that fucking KD fake ten one plays, where he, sweat, yeah, he swings ten, into it. Yeah, and there are 10 plays a game that used to be N1s that aren't anymore. Now it's, you know, ball yep. out of bounds. Um, and, that's, yep. and that's maybe – that's how they should look at this Harden situation. Like, you know, if somebody's just got his arm out, and then you go up for your shot, and dude literally doesn't move his arm, and you throw your arm into his. How yeah. can you call that a foul on the defender? Like, I understand why Drew right. Holiday was like, what? Like, dude, i do anything. Like, so, like I said, I don't blame Harden for taking advantage of it, but I think that the NBA, Adam Silver, they need to sit down and they need to say, all right, let's, let's figure this out because yeah. this is fucked up. Well, yeah, they got to tweak that. I will say this. I will say this. If you're the NBA, how that Raptors, I believe they played Rockets, uh, of course, um, uh, right. how that game ended where DeRozan and those guys pretty much had to be escorted out by the by the cops, I tell you what, that's just in the regular season. You do some, some BS calls like that in the playoffs, I promise you, they'll have to probably drag DeMar DeRozan off that court uh, because, again, <laughs> those games are like you need – you know. You, you only have seven games. This isn't like, oh, okay, well, we got 20 more. Let's just, let's just get over this. Right. We'll play the next game. Like, right. No, those would mean a lot more to those guys. So that's why I said I'm terrified of AD. If he can't get them during the regular season, I know he's probably not going to get these in the playoffs. So if I'm the ref, I'm, just, I'm looking at the situation as a whole, and I'm saying, all right, it's playoffs. So, of course, we're officiating it differently. But some calls like that one uh, that DeRozan was, was upset about, you let that happen in the playoff game, especially like when it's like a game four, game five. Yeah, you'd probably have to like literally put them in handcuffs and drag them off of that court. Right. Well, and another interesting thing, I'm glad you brought uh, the DeRozan call back up. Because um, another interesting thing about that is, hey, I applaud DeMar DeRozan for after the game because he was very, you know, we've seen this, this um, sort of narrative of my teammate getting the calls type of situation with uh, the thunder stick out to me. Remember, like, Carmelo going, like, saying shit about the refs and and Paul George, basically, like, both of them were like, man, Russ doesn't get the calls. Like, I don't know how they have it in for us, like, as a team. And DeRozan didn't even take that route. Um, A, DeRozan didn't, and Dwayne Casey was, like, even more humble about it. But basically all DeRozan was saying was, the calls just have been so erratic this season. And he's like, trust me, we're not the only team. I get it. Like, but I just don't understand how you could miss that call. Like, and I, I applaud DeMar DeRozan for that. Like, he's not even trying to make it out like the Raptors are somehow victims uh, of, of the referees in the NBA or trying to say, like, you know, like we're – a quote-unquote more small market team because we're, you know, a Canadian team and a league full of American teams or any sort of narrative like that. He's just basically saying, look, he missed the call. Like, if you saw it. Everybody saw it. He missed the call. It's been happening to everybody all year. Like, the refs need to get their shit in order um, because it, 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 it's just been – it's been a 
poorly, poorly refereed season thus far. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how all of this shakes out. But I, I certainly think that there's uh, a lot of interesting elements at play, and the refs. King Adam Silver and the refs are going to really have to come together, hopefully before the playoffs. Um, you know, because I hope it doesn't take until next next season. You know, for for this to kind of get resolved, because um, there's there's a lot of ins and outs to it. So, um, but anyway, let's move on. Uh, speaking of AD, he is averaging 27.3 points, 11.8 boards, 3.9 blocks and 1.8 steals in the month of March, and has been carrying the team since Boogie's injury. Um, just, you know, in general, how impressed with you, how impressed are you, rather, with uh, Anthony Davis, Joel? I'm very impressed. We talked about it last week. Um, I've been so impressed with him uh, that I have him in my, one, as one of the MVP candidates. I don't have him as, as the MVP, but I have him as a candidate, man. He's He's, ca- he's basically carrying the team by himself. Uh, you got to give credit to the rest of the guys because they are doing their part, obviously, because if they weren't, they wouldn't be where they're at. But right. he's he's definitely carrying the majority of the load, and he's playing like a stud. Now, he's been a stud. Like, he's been a stud for the last couple of years. That's not new. Um, but he's like, how do you say, he's showing up now. Like, he's not hurt. Yeah. He's usually been hurt. You know, during certain times, you don't get to see a full year of him. He's had his injuries this year, but not not major. So he's been playing all out. Uh, we had a couple of scares here and there, but he's been relatively healthy. So he's showing that he is one of the best players in the league. Um, and I'm so proud of him because, like, I, I didn't have the Pelicans in the playoffs to start the year. Like, I like them mainly because I like Boogie and him together, but I didn't think they had enough talent. I didn't think Drew Holiday was enough, you know, even Rondo. And since that bench was like pretty much nothing. So I didn't believe that team could do enough to get there, even with the two best big men in the game, arguably, you know. Um, But they did, and they did really well. And now without Boogie, you're like, oh, fuck, they're going to fall apart. That's it. They're going to the playoff chances. And they stayed afloat. And it's a lot of it is because of him. So you got to give him all the credit in the world. You got to give Coach Gentry the credit. You got to give the bench the credit. You got to give Drew Holiday the credit. And the GM. And the GM for saying, yeah. you know what, we're gonna put our chips in. We'll trade our first round pick for Nikola Mirotic. Like we're we're going oh, in. Yeah, yeah. We want to make the playoffs. Yeah, I I, I totally credit him for that too because he's like, I got to do something. And that, now we didn't all think that was gonna be enough, but apparently it's, it is. <laughs> so yeah. I got to give him credit as well. So I'm really proud of AD. So uh, hopefully he can keep it up, man. Because now they've earned that that playoff spot, you know. Definitely, man. Um, and I think, too, like, we've all known him to be, like, an offensive juggernaut. Um, his defense has been outstanding this season, um, in particular since uh, since Boogie went out. I mean, yeah. just what I was saying, just in the month of March, dude's averaging almost four blocks a game, uh, 3.9 blocks and 1.8 steals uh, for the month mm. of March. Like, that's insane. Four blocks in a game, like for you to average that, and you know we're we're uh, a little more than halfway through the month of March. Like that's crazy. That is, exactly. is super super crazy. Um, but uh, uh, Jawan, what are what are your kind of just you know 
overarching thoughts on Anthony Davis, uh, you know, throughout the whole season, but particularly since, you know, uh, Boogie went out. Yeah, no, I completely agree with Joel. I, I was actually, um, I was saying, I, of course, before Boogie went down, I was saying how I thought they could be um, unstoppable in the playoffs together. Um, and that was just yeah. when Boogie was playing at a, at a monster rate. Um, right. And, mm-hmm. you know, at a crazy, like, at a crazy level. And AD was doing great, but Boogie was just, he was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so I thought they had a true chance to actually possibly make it out of the West. Um, but AD is making, you know, is making a case for himself that, you know, if he can continue to play at this level and they can stay at, I believe it was the sixth seed that I saw them at. Yes, the sixth seed. Um, they would play uh, – Portland, uh, am I correct? Yes, currently. I think yes. Three. Mm-hmm. So I, I tell wow. you this. God, that would be such great, a matchup, man. As great as insane. Damian Lillard, as great as Dill- Damian Lillard, I'm sorry, and uh, CJ McCollum are playing, uh, Nurkic or Jokic, whatever his name is, Nurkic. he can't Nurkic. stop AD. He can't no. stop AD. No. And if Anthony Davis no, can get Holiday, uh, Holiday to play consistent, not big time, just consistent, they could definitely knock out Portland uh, and make it pretty difficult for whoever they play in that second round. So if AD can lock up that sixth spot, um, I am truly confident that he can not only put on a show, but make it out of that first round. Oh, man, it would be such a series. Like, to see, you know, we're obviously we're about to talk about the, the, the guy on the other side of this equation of what would be the series. Um, but to see that kind of matchup, the thing is, like you said, Nurkic can't stop AD. Um, on like he can't guard him. Like he he doesn't have the foot speed to guard him. And then if you want to try to throw like someone like Aminu at him, who is like a really good perimeter defender, he can't stop him mm-hmm. from getting to the bucket. Like so, you're just a total catch twenty two. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Your your best possible scenario in that equation is to try and have uh, Nurkic play him when he's trying to post in the paint and then, you know, switch to a meter on him when he's, when he's playing off on the perimeter. It's a lot easier said than done. Um, you know, that, that's great in theory, but how do you make that work in a game when split-second decisions are being made and, you know, he's out on the perimeter and then, you know, he's in, in, in three dribbles and, you know, two – you know, heavy blows to Aminu's body, and he's in the paint three feet away from the basket. So, like, yeah, it's it's that would be a supremely interesting series. And one more thing as far as uh, that series that I think would be super interesting is how would Drew Holiday fare against Damian Lillard on the defensive end? Because Drew Holiday is mm-hmm. no slouch when it comes to playing defense. He's six foot four. He's got a seven foot wingspan. Um, the guy can play defense, um, and so if you could get him to, you know, just just to play Lillard as tight as possible and, and try to, you know, reduce the amount of um, quality looks that Damian Lillard gets, um, you know, if, if he can be mildly successful at that, and you can try to put C.J. McCollum, uh, you know. In some in some pressure situations, and maybe Rondo, who's also no slouch at defense, can can help you know play CJ, and you know they switch when is necessary and everything else. 
it'll be really interesting because if you can clamp, if you've got you've got two quality defensive guards um, going against two quality offensive guards, and on the other side, the you know Portland has no defensive answer for Anthony Davis. So it's a possibility. You know, you're going with you know essentially one All Star versus two. I know CJ McCollum's not technically an All Star, but we can all agree he's an All Star talent. Um, like mm-hmm. so, you know, there's there's obviously that that situation at hand too. Um, but yeah, like I mean, the, the, the dude is just is just crazy. I mean, he 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 really really is. Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's get into um, Damian Lillard because he is on fire as well. He is averaging twenty nine point one points. 3.8 boards and 6.1 assists while shooting 41.1% from deep and 89.2% from the stripe for the month of March. The Blazers have won 13 straight and haven't lost in over a month. Um, general thoughts on Dame Dalla just balling out, Joel. Dame Dalla. I gave the highlight last week to Anthony Davis, and I gotta give it this week to Damian fucking Lillard. Holy shit! Like I know he's good. Like that's not really a question. We've been talking about Damian Lillard all year. That's not a surprise at all. But you looked at Portland, and you're like, well, they might make the playoffs. You know, I didn't even. I don't even think I had them in the playoffs. Uh, to be honest with you, I thought maybe they might fall out of it. Uh, and I had other teams ahead of them, but. And they were arguably where were they in the beginning of the year? Like like somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the below. Like they were like seventh, maybe going to be the one when the season started. Point is, I didn't expect them to be the third seed, and right. now they're the third seed. Now then they're not dealing with the injuries that that New Orleans had to deal with AD. I'm not AD with Boogie, so they're healthier. But Damian Lillard is playing out of his effing mind and it's like they haven't lost you said in a month he's putting up buckets he he is he is amazing the last couple games and it's kind of sad the idea that we were talking about like them possibly because they had a meeting not that long ago about what's gonna what's going on um and like oh we were thinking about oh they might trade him what would you give up and you got you were trying to exile his ass to Cleveland. I'm like, why would you do that? To him? And I'm like, and I'm like, it's. I'm just so happy that they they crawled out of whatever hole they were in. And he's like, he did it himself. And like after that meeting, and things went over. He's like, and he got his All Star nod. He was like, I'm gonna show why I made that All Star team. And he's been balling ever since. And it's just like, I gotta give him all the credit in the world. Um, obviously, CJ McCollum's a, a great sidekick. Who I remember him coming out of college and I'm like this this dude's like six three is he gonna he's a tweener so he's gonna be a point guard he's gonna be a shooter they got Lillard what's the point he's a little guy will he be able to defend he's been been able to be his, the perfect complement to Damian Lillard which has been great yeah uh, Nurkic has been good uh, Aminu who's had uh, his ups and downs I always kind of liked him he he was because he's that weird tweener wing uh, type um, but he he plays power forward the more Harkless has been having like a good week at the very least the last two weeks at least. I like Mo Harkless. Yeah. I think he's a Syracuse guy. I think he was a Syracuse guy. But 
Yeah, man, you got to give the Portland Trailblazers credit, man. I got to give them, I got them a lot of credit because they they're going to be a tough out uh, regardless who they go up against. If it's New Orleans, and we see the two guys that are basically right now another guy could have Damian Lillard also on the MVP list now. He's like top five, him and and yeah. AD are right there. So to see them go at it in the playoffs would be fucking amazing because they earned it. So now you're gonna watch these two guys go at it in the playoffs, and you're gonna see probably one of them get eliminated, and it's. It's going to be worth admission to see these two dudes ball out. Yeah, it, that, like that would be an amazing, amazing playoff series. Um, interesting too. Um, one of the big <clears throat> knocks on them last year was they were not good defensively, and that was the big question: mm. was you know, do you want to break up this backcourt duo because do you want to try and get somebody who's who's a more adept player in, in the post and, and a bigger guy um, and, and get like a, just a more solid defensive role player that, to help out Damian Lillard on the wing. They are the number two defense in the NBA since the all-star break. Number two, the only team that they're behind is Joel's Utah Jazz, who has just been dominating since Rudy Gobert came back. Um, but, yeah, number two defense in the league, and a lot of that has to do with, as you said, Joel, Mo Harkless, and Al Farouk Aminu. Those are guys who have the size, they have the length, they can guard the perimeter, they can square up at least enough uh, with, with guys who can kind of bang them in the paint, and because there's so few of those guys who play the four anymore, I mean, you got pretty much A.D. and LaMarcus Aldridge um, and, and Kevin Love when Kevin Love comes back. Um, but that's about it. Like, you don't have very many starting power forwards who are, you know, um, post-up players anymore who are going to kind of try no. to muscle you. Um, so that has really I worked must, to their no. favor. Um, and, you know, Nurkic, he, he hasn't played great, but he's played serviceable. Um, certainly hasn't played up to what they thought he was going to be when when they acquired him last season because he came in and played terrific for them um, initially. Mm-hmm. But – the team has played great, and I just think Harkless and um, Aminu being able to switch and, and pretty much defend either threes or fours, uh, you yeah. know, is, is, is huge for them because they can take turns. Um, it's, it's like what we were saying uh, either last week or a couple weeks ago when it comes to OKC. Uh, them losing Robertson really hurt because now you're asking Paul George to do it every single possession, um, and that's just right. difficult to do. Um, so the fact that they have two guys who can do that, um, and, you know, they're not great offensive threats, but they're also not like – they're both better than Robertson um, offensively anyway. Um, true, so, true. you know, I mean, they they have the ingredients, um, and it was just a question as to whether those ingredients would ever, you know, be put together and actually baked into a good recipe. And it seems like they finally – have kind of figured it out over the course of, of you know, the last month. Um, but, uh, Jawan, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on, on Dame Dalla and, you know, the the Blazers in general? Um, I love what I've seen from the Blazers since the All-Star break. Uh, they're definitely a team on a mission. Um, and I, I think a- after this season, um, of course, depending on where the uh, Portland, uh, you know, uh, ends up, you know, after the the playoffs, like whether they're out first round, the second round. I think what's going to have to start happening is I think they need more nationally televised games. I think they don't. Yeah, right. Uh, 
uh, Lillard mm-hmm. and McCollum enough to put them on TV. And so when he says, when he says, yeah, he how feels many more games though, do you think the Lakers got this season over them? <laughs> oh, you know what's crazy about that? The Lakers purely got it off of just having Lonzo and the storyline yeah, mm-hmm. that comes with that. You know, yep. because you can't tell me you looked at that roster and thought that roster would do better than Portland. Like, come on. No, you, you I, I honestly think the Lakers are outperforming I, I what most people <laughs> thought they would do. You know, no, like, right, yep. right. I, no, I'm just saying a reference that's for to sure. the, the Trailblazers. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I think the, uh, the NBA is definitely going to – they can't continue to ignore uh, the Trailblazers. Damian Lillard, mm. I don't know what else he would need to do to show that he, he deserves – more televised games. Like, I mean, it, it, it's to the point where it's just like you sometimes watch those NBA TV games and it's like Memphis versus the Bulls, and you're just like, why? Like Portland's on tonight. Why are they not on television? Why am I watching right. the Grizzlies and the Bulls? So, um, but as far oh, as Damian Lillard. this year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that, that's what I'm referring to, especially this year. Um, but as far as Damian Lillard's play, I agree with Joel. He's definitely top five in uh, the MVP race. Um, and I think, again, if it wasn't for the narrative of they're just not going to ignore Harden again, I really think Anthony Davis and Damian Lillard are making it very difficult, um, you know, to, to ignore them as far as the MVP race. It's just Harden, in people's minds, has won it well before the All-Star break, so much so that I'm pretty sure Harden's like one, and then there's like eight steps before you get to number two and then the rest of the guys. So if it wasn't for that, I would say uh, Damian Lillard and Anthony Davis' uh, production, definitely. Especially uh, for Damian Lillard to get them up to the, the, the three seed. Um, and, and I think they're on an 11-game winning streak. So to me, he definitely deserves uh, a lot more attention brought to his, his name and his team. But uh, I definitely, like I said, agree with Joel. He's definitely in the MVP conversation. Yeah, I got an interesting question for you guys. Um do you think Dame Lillard deserves first team All NBA? I mean, obviously you got Harden as, as your as your number one guard for first team All NBA. Mm-hmm. But for that mm-hmm. second spot, I mean, you got you got Dame, you got Demar Derozan, you got Kyrie Irving, you got Russell Westbrook, you got Steph Curry. There's a lot of big names, but I don't think any of them are having the season that Damian Lillard is having. No, I – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. I didn't cut you off. I, no, I'm, I'm just asking y'all. Like, go ahead. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, um, as much as I just raved about Damian Lillard, I can't give it to him <laughs> over uh, DeMar DeRozan. I'm sorry. For DeMar DeRozan in an Eastern well, Conference that has a fully healthy him. LeBron, for him to uh, to come out in, and a Boston team that's just phenomenal, for him to come out you know, and, and lead and that team. And he's got a trash player himself. playing beside him in the backcourt. Like, let's not forget that. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget. Well, yeah. For, <laughs> DeMar DeRozan, for DeMar DeRozan uh, to single-handedly, because he doesn't really have a, a number two, uh, get the Raptors to the number one seed, and for them to be playing like lights out, I really think he, he deserves it. I think Damian Lillard has definitely upped his game tremendously. Uh, I don't want to say since the All-Star break to to take away from what he did uh, before the uh, All-Star weekend, but I feel as though DeMar DeRozan has had a more consistent level. And I I wouldn't put Curry in that conversation, only because obviously the the injuries recently 
Yeah, but also that makes sense. Kind of really, it's I don't want to say easy because to me that diminishes what what a person uh, is doing. But it's kind of, you know, it's not that difficult to pull the numbers he is when you have Durant on one side and then Clay Thompson on another. So it's sure. like those are the numbers you'd expect someone of Steph Curry's caliber to to pull off. Uh, to me, it's a lot harder for DeRozan. Uh, even Damian Lillard, you have C.J. McCollum, who at any point can just drop 30. You know, I don't feel as though DeRozan has a number two that's that consistent like those other guys do. Um, and Kyrie, you know, he, that system is just perfect. Uh, they were winning games without Kyrie. Um, so that system is just so perfect, uh, not to take away from Kyrie at all, but I definitely think DeMar DeRozan should have that spot. No, I mean, and, and that's why I posed the question because, I, I mean, I think there's – you know, outside of James Harden, I feel like that second spot is wide open. And I got no problem with you picking DeMar DeRozan. I mean, I, like I said, there's a reason that I mentioned him. Um, I think he's definitely, like, a worthy candidate. Um, I I just uh, – I'm surprised you didn't go with Kyrie, but um, I am not surprised that you think DeMar DeRozan has carried the Raptors on his own. <laughs> Joel, uh, same question to you, man. Um, like, right now, push came to shove – who would you pick as your as your you know first team All NBA guard next to Harden? Assuming that you have Harden, um, I would assume because he's everyone's MVP that we would have him on there. Uh, yeah, I definitely. Uh, I don't know. It's tough. <laughs> uh, it I, is, I don't know, man. I, I don't it's know why. really hard. Yeah, I don't know if I, that if that excludes. DeRozan, I could have. I think I'd have all three of them on there, honestly, for the first team, um, if I could. Well, I mean, you, it's just, you need it's, two. You need two guards. You can only have two guards. You need, now you could qualify DeRozan as a small forward because they play enough small ball. But like that opens yeah. up the conversation to like, are you going to put him in over LeBron and Giannis and AD and man, you could make AD a center, but he really hasn't really played center this year because they've had Boogie and they've even brought in Okafor. So, like, let's yeah, just keep no. it to, to you get two <laughs> guards. Are you going to take – it sounds to me like you got DeMar and, and Dame, you know, as, you, as you're kind of two and three. If push came to show, you had to pick one. Who do you think you're going to go with? That, that's a very tough question because I do have – I have Harden as the MVP right now. So, it's really hard to say that to say that, that any of those guys, like either DeMar or um, Dame gets it. So I guess I, I may have to just put it on – I might have to say Dame over to DeMar uh, if I had to make it a choice. Yeah, I mean, I think I would say the same thing. And and the biggest reason to me is I get the fact that, like, it it, it is it is wildly surprising that Toronto is as good as they are this year. Um, but – General consensus, we all probably, for the most part, thought they would be a home court advantage team. We didn't think they'd be number one, but we also, you know, I mean, Cleveland, we know that whole narrative. Um, and then as it, as it comes to Boston, obviously they lost Gordon Hayward. They've been dealing with injuries all year. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of fell out of it. If they didn't have all those injuries, would Toronto be number one? Probably not. I mean, maybe, but probably not. Um, not taking anything away from them, like, still, like, I mean, I've even said Dwayne Casey is my coach of the year. Like, he has done a phenomenal job uh, revamping that offense. Um, But 
also, Toronto has the best bench in the NBA. The only team that I think you could make an argument for, like statistically, they have the best bench in the NBA. The only team that I think you can make an argument for just on, you know, uh, feel or just watching the games is Houston because Houston mm-hmm. has a very, right. very good bench too. Um, they do. Yeah, very deep. I mean, T.J. Tucker, Bob Mute, Eric Gordon, uh, Nene, like a lot of lot of quality bench uh, effort there. Um, but like, if you look at Portland, they are just not deep at all. Like, they've somehow managed to get Shabazz Napier to start playing decent basketball. Um, yeah. They got Pat Connaughton. Like Pat Connaughton, dude. Like, you know, he's yeah. he's He's a fringe NBA player. Um, he was a second-round you know, pick, they, right? they, uh, Yeah, yeah. He, he was either a second-round pick or undrafted. Um, but I think he was a second-round pick, drafted. I'm pretty sure. I think he was yeah, drafted. Yeah, I think he was – I remember – Yeah, I think he was like – He 40s. played – Yeah, he played with, with Grant in college, I remember. I think – Because when we drafted Dan oh, okay. Grant, I gotcha. remember Cotton, Cotton or whatever his name got. They played together. I think Notre Dame or whatever. Yeah, 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 that sounds right. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I mean, I, I definitely think that uh, what they've, what Dame has been able to achieve, I, you know, I, I will agree with you, Juwan, that I do think C.J. McCollum at this point in his career is a better player um, than Kyle Lowry. Um, I'm right. not going to, like, sit here and say, like, Kyle Lowry is garbage like you would. Um, but I definitely do think C.J. McCollum is better um, it, it is a better player than him at this point in their careers. Um, uh, it, as far as on the offensive side, um, defensively, well, the, you know, there's an argument that can be made. Hold on one second. Um, but, like, no, I'm just saying my, my, my overall point um, is that I, I think if any of us even had Portland making the playoffs, it was a fringe spot. And the fact that they're number yeah. three, that's crazy. That is yeah. really gnarly, and like I, I think that's why I have to give the edge to Damian Lillard. But Juwan, you, you had something. Oh no, no, no! I was just gonna say, as far as the, the conversation about um, uh, McCollum and, and Lowry, that it was more so um, McCollum is way more consistent offensively. Yeah, uh, I, I would yes. never disrespect um, what Kyle Lowry brings defensively, but he's not a consistent number two. So Damian Lillard, you know, uh, leading the surge that he is, it helps to have a guy who could do almost exactly the same thing that you can on a more consistent basis. Um, And and I think that's going to be the biggest struggle for the Raptors, uh, and it has been uh, over the last couple of years. It's when DeRozan gets there, either he struggles or he shows out, and Kyle Lowry's never anywhere to be found. So that's why I said it's more impressive what DeRozan has been able to do consistently this season. And, again, it's not to take anything from Damian Lillard. I, I mean, honestly, if I had to – if you forced me to, I would rather take Harden out and put Damian and DeRozan in because those are more of the unexpected of this season. I mean, Nick, you even just said it. You said if, if Hayward was healthy, Toronto might not even be, uh, you know, the um, – excuse me, the, uh, the, the number one team. And you could make a case that if LeBron had the team that he has now all year, maybe they might be, you know, they might be a lot higher. So, I mean, it's one right. of those things maybe, where it's like before the season worst started. Three, though. <laughs> right, right. No, I agree with you, Joel. 
Um, th- that's just hypothetical. That's just hypothetical. Um, but I think we can all agree before the season started, we didn't have the, have the Raptors um, with a record like they have and the number no. one seed. So. No, they're, I, and that's the thing. They're, they're both surprises. I mean, the Raptors having the number one seed and their record, that's a big surprise, um, I think, for all of us. I think most of us had them hovering around three or four. Um, but, right. like, I, I think it's it's even a more surprise, if not at least equal, that Portland is at number three, especially considering, you know, they're at number three in the West, and, and the West has the two best teams in the league. You know, so it's like, mm-hmm. is it more impressive to be third in the West or first in the East? Um, and especially you have to counteract that with where you, um, what has kind of transpired, uh, you know, with with the other teams in those respective conferences and where you, you know, where you thought those teams would be going into the season. Um, but I, I will say this, both of those teams have made a complete transformation without a huge turnover of players, without a huge turnover of talent. Um, you know, I mean, Portland at, like hasn't had any. Uh, they they got rid of Alan Crabb just, you know, for cap reasons. Um, uh, Toronto did the same thing with Damari Carroll, um, but then brought in uh, C.J. Miles uh, for, for Corey Joseph. Um but not a lot of not a lot of turnover as far as their the, the talent on their teams. It's it's, it's pretty much been coaching, um, uh, defensive intensity, uh, and, and willingness to play uh, defense and you know schemes. Uh, and it's it, it's crazy. Both I mean both of those teams have been great, and both of those guys um, deserve a lot of credit. I think it'll be interesting too, just to see like who's the guy who doesn't get in. Because um, I think I ran off seven names uh, of guards, and it's like you know, at some point you know, there's got to be that cutoff. You only get six All NBA guards. Um, you know, who's the guy who doesn't make it this year? Um, I think that'll be really interesting um, to see, and uh, I look forward for uh, you know, once we get to the end of the season, for us to all do our um, All NBA team projections because um, that's something we haven't done with our, uh, you know, quarter awards throughout the season is definitely something that I want to do uh, once we get to the end of the season. Uh, but let's move on. we got one more topic uh, to uh, to break down. Uh, the OKC Thunder have propelled themselves up to the four seed after winning six straight and are currently just two games behind the Red Hot Blazers. Uh, the winning streak has coincided with Corey Brewer joining the starting lineup and uh, the team looks like they're finally uh, kind of found their footing uh, since Robertson went down earlier this year. Basically, uh, what I'm interested in is, is, is do you think, given what you've seen out of the Thunder all season, and, and most notably since they've acquired Corey Brewer and kind of worked him into their lineup, um, do you think the Thunder can make it to the Western Conference Finals? Uh, I'm not asking you if they will, um, because, I mean, that, that would almost be a hot take to say they will. Um, but do you, think, do you think they can? Do you think they have enough firepower to be either Houston or Golden State in a seven-game series uh, and make it to the Western Conference Finals, Joel? I think um, it's unlikely that they can take a, a healthy Houston or a Golden State to, to, to you know, at the Western Conference Finals. But 
I do believe, I've said it from the beginning, that I think they'll probably end up being a better playoff team than regular season team because um, yeah. they have the weapons. Uh, and and that's all you need. You need to get into a series. And, like, Wessel West was a scary motherfucker to play against. Uh, and um, you got Paul George and, and Melo knows what he's doing. He's a vet. Uh, Corey Brewer was an excellent pickup because he's exactly what that team needed yes. at the right time. So Absolutely. Like, it works perfectly for what they're going through right now. I had them, I think, three <laughs> on my uh, on my rankings to start the season. They obviously started slow, um, but I always thought that they'd be okay. You know, it was looking kind of, kind of scary, kind of shaky in the beginning. But they have the talent. It's the problem is that my always my biggest issue with them was always depth, and they didn't really have a big name or whatever aside from Stephen Adams. And if he goes down, shit gets tough. <laughs> so it's like it's just that that's really my only concern is that can they run? Can they they can run with anybody because they got the talent to do it. I don't know if they have enough depth to hold them hold them all. Anybody like Houston or, or Golden State off for a whole series. That's really my only issue. But aside from that. Um, yeah, I think OKC has the ability to get there, definitely. Yeah, um, I, I think that's probably a, a very fair assessment. Um, uh, Jawan, for somebody who's a little more, um, we'll say, uh, cut and dry, black and white, um, would, you, would you say that they have a chance to make it to the Western Conference Finals with what you've seen over the course of this season and, you know, over the course of their uh, recent success after picking up Corey Brewer? Uh, the way you phrased the question put me in the toughest <laughs> position. Uh, they have a chance to, uh, but they won't. Um, that, that team, <laughs> as, as, well as, as well as they've been <laughs> playing, they still, to me, to me, just my opinion, do not have an identity. Um, like everyone's making a, a big hoopla about the triple double that Russ is, you know, has has been getting over the the course of their winning. But to me, it's like, yeah, they did that last year, and then I believe they were out in a gentleman's sweep come playoffs. So it's like yeah. that's all fine and dandy, but if that's not actually winning you games, that's just a really nice trophy case you're building. So to me, it, it, until this team develops an identity, and I could see, you know, and they rise to the, the, the big opponents, and they still stay up for the, uh, you know, when they play like the Knicks or, or the Bulls or the, you know, the Grizzlies. Like, games like you expect them to win, they struggle in. So, to me, it's like if, if you don't have an identity, something I can hang, you know, your hat on, I just feel really uncomfortable. And, again, Joel, to your point, maybe they are a better playoff team because, they're, they're, you know, they're filled with – the three best players are guys who have been there, done that, as far as, like, you know, they know what it's about uh, when it comes playoff time. So maybe that is the case. So maybe I might be a little premature. But just from what I've seen, you know, overall this season, I told you guys I thought they would be in the finals this year. So for them to have yep. struggled as much as they had uh, really just put me off. So I feel as though it looks really good now with the six-game winning streak, but – I'm going to say yes to answer your question. They do have a chance, but I'm going to go ahead and say no. They will not be in the uh, Western Conference Finals. That was exactly the answer I was looking for. Thank you. Because um, I, I, uh, I think this. I give them a chance to make the Western Conference Finals if they play Golden State. 
in the semifinals. I think they can beat Golden State. I think they're more put together to compete against a team like the Warriors than they are to compete against a team like the Rockets. Um, because the Rockets are have so many great defensive answers. Um, first of all, Clint Capella, he can go toe-to-toe in the post with Steven Adams. The Warriors don't have a player who can go toe-to-toe with Steven Adams. Uh, as far as Melo, you got Bob Mute who you can throw out there on him with, with, you know, do you want to do you want to exhaust Kevin Durant on him? Do you want to play Draymond Green on Melo? Like, how do you want to handle that situation? Um, with you know, as far as the um, you know perimeter goes, you know, obviously Chris Paul is going to guard uh, Russell if they go up against them. Clay Thompson will guard him on the other end. So neither one's going to be you know a particularly um, easy, easy mission. Yeah, but, like, here's my thing. Like, if you're going up against uh, – if, if you're going up against uh, Houston, it's way harder for you on the defensive end. Like, and I know it sounds crazy, but, like, Clay Thompson is a knockdown shooter, but he's not somebody that Corey Brewer can't guard. I mean, he doesn't – he doesn't mm-hmm. present as much of a threat as far as creating his own shot. Um Corey Brewer can trail him. Like, are you going to ask Corey Brewer to guard James Harden? Because that ain't going to work out. Like, I can tell you that much right now. That is not going to work out at all. Um, so, I mean, or are you going to have him guard Chris Paul? Because that ain't going to work out either. Like, um, so, I mean, I, I think they have a shot to make the Western Conference Finals if they play Golden State, because that's kind of how they geared their team was to beat Golden State. Um, and... So if they can get that three seed, they're two games behind Portland right now. Portland's got a, a tight schedule coming up with some difficult games. OKC plays them once in the, in the closing uh, games of the season. There's like about 10 to 12 games left. Um, I think that three seed is so important for them. Um, if they can get that, I, I think they can make it a series and, you know, we might see something crazy. And, of course, let's not forget the Russell Westbrook factor of he would mm-hmm. so get up for that series. Um, Extra motivation. I, I have, yes, exactly. Which, you know, I, I just don't feel like they're going to have the tools nor that extra motivation against Houston. Um, what are your thoughts on, on my take on that, uh, Joel? Yeah, I think you you nailed that. Uh, you sold me on that premise. I, I, I could see it. I see what you're saying. I, I, I'm totally behind it because it's like – I think you, you explained it very well. Um, I still think, obviously, it'll be tough regardless who they go up against. Yeah. Golden State is not a team to be obviously trifled with. But you're right. There, there are certain matches they match up better than they do with Houston. I can't I can't argue that. And you, and you definitely gave a good argument there. So, yeah, definitely. I, I like it. Word. Uh, Jawan, I, I know it's going to be a little harder to – to convince you, so that's why I saved you for a second. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on my take there? That, that they would fare much, potentially fare much better in a matchup situation against Golden State than they would Houston. Uh, I, I get where you're coming from, uh, and if you're saying they would just match up better against Golden State, um, then then I can pull it. Well, what I'm with, saying is, I uh, think they could beat Golden State in a seven-game series. I don't think they could beat oh, Houston. Okay. 
the, let me say this. No, I do not <laughs> now uh, believe that. No, uh, to me, I look at too many things. And uh, I, the main thing that I look at is it's going to come down to coaching. Uh, that series absolutely a thousand percent will come down to sure. coaching. And, and Billy Donovan I do not, not believe somebody in Billy either. Donovan. No. So if you're looking for adjustments, if you're looking for uh, different schemes, if you're looking for things like that, I do not believe OKC in crunch will be able to give you that. I do believe that a healthy Steph Curry, a healthy Clay, and a 100% healthy Kevin Durant would beat that team in six games. Uh, I, I just think it's, it's a juggernaut, and I just feel as though when you look at it, if Durant is healthy and Steph is healthy, that alone could definitely <laughs> – be a, uh, a disadvantage for OKC, but especially Clay healthy. I think these guys are on a mission to win another one uh, this year, and they're not going to let OKC stop be. them. Well, well yeah. no, I mean, because if, if you look at Golden State, they've been there, I think, what, three of three the last times. four years? Or, right. No, three so, straight. Uh, you know, a team like – oh, three straight, I'm sorry. So a team like that, that kind of – You kind of <laughs> see the fatigue. You kind of see the fatigue in teams trying to – you know, not only go to their fourth straight, but to win it. Um, so, you know, the fatigue sometimes shows up. But I think Golden State going to wake up. Right, exactly. They lack the motivation. I, I, Nick, I completely understand where you're coming from. I just think, to me, when you look at it, it's going to come down to coaching, and Golden State has better coaching than, than OKC. Yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, the one I, I thing – no, I'm saying – I was saying, obviously, the one thing OKC needs is Kyle Lowry. You know, that, that would definitely put them over the top. <laughs> Absolutely. Send them so right that home. would put them over the top. Oh. Uh, For sure. I, no, honestly, the one thing they need is Andre Robertson. Like, I think if they had Andre Robertson, uh-huh. we would all give them more of a chance. Right? Am I wrong? Well, I did say yes. six. I mean, I didn't say they would get swept. I just, uh, to yeah. me, I, I, no, I, I think I it's going to come down to where it's going to be X's and O's. And I feel more confident in... <laughs> the Warriors X's and O's than I do, uh, you know, the, the Thunders. To me, they, they, they yeah, struggle well, too much. And, and Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say that, that they've been robbing Peter to pay Paul ever since they lost Kevin Durant. They've been trying to figure right. out the right players to put in that scheme to make it work. Um, and obviously, mm-hmm. Paul George was a good pickup. Mello. Very good. I think any of us would have done the same thing. I don't know how well he really fits, given the what they actually needed. Um, but it was just like, obviously, if you can get Mello for a backup center and, you know, a, a backup small forward and a second-round pick, you do it. Like, that's a no-brainer, right? Um, but nevertheless, it's like, would, like, would they be better served – with having, you know, a, a, either a guy who's just a knockdown, spot-up three-point shooter or a quality defender, yes to either one of yeah. those. Mello, um, Mello turned into Moutier and Cantor, <laughs> if you think about it. <laughs> that's, just, uh, right. look, that's not that's not a bad pickup. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, especially given, you know, the the position that the Knicks are in. Um, but, like, I mean, even even the, the Thunder, like, yeah, it's not it's not a bad pickup. I mean, especially for what you were giving up, it's just, is that really what you need? Um, that's, that's the big yeah. question. 
Um, I will. But I honestly think I would say this. I would say this team misses Robertson way more than they would have missed Mello had Mello gone down. Yeah, not going to agree. But yeah. I, w- I will Patrick say this. Patterson. I will say this. That yeah, Patrick Patterson very be... serviceable. And Jerry and Grant has been balling. Jerry and Grant, uh, I'm sorry, Jeremy. 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 Has been balling. Yeah, he's been balling, dude. Like, they finally kind of found a role for him on that team. They, they use him as, right. as almost like a, a, a backup five in small ball lineups. And yeah. he is a like shot a small blocker. Center. Yeah, he is a shot blocker, man. He gets in that paint and, like, gets up. And uh, so, like, I, I mean, I, I think it'll be really interesting not only to see how they fare in the playoffs, but um, obviously whether they can keep uh, Paul George or not. But even if they lose Paul George, how do they go about putting this lineup back together if they do lose him? Because I think, I think Jeremy Grant's a guy you've got to keep because um, he is – really solid. He is really, he's a really, really good player. Um, and I think you, maybe you overpay him a little bit to keep him knowing that Melo's only got one more year and you're probably not going to bring him back. Or at the very least, you're not going to pay him $27 million, um, you know, in the future. Um, so I, you know, I think, I think those are, those will be kind of two separate, but very equally interesting uh, things, you know, for, for the Thunder going into the off season. Um, right. But, yeah. Juwan was uh, saying something. Yeah, Juwan, uh, wrap us up here, man. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, uh, if they did play each other, it would definitely be uh, must-see television. Uh, you'd have to watch every second of that game. But I was just going right. to say my biggest thing was uh, Golden State had beaten the Thunder team with Westbrook and Durant. Do I think, even with the additions of Paul George and Melo, do I think that team can beat the Warriors? They're 100% healthy, and now they have Durant? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's going to be fun that. to watch. But I give you that. Watch, it will, it'll definitely be must-see TV, um, which is one of the probably the biggest reasons why I want to see it happen. Um, but also, you know, the same argument was used by you uh, going into the season as to why Indiana would not make the playoffs. Um, you know, can you can you really be a more successful team than you were last year if you're swapping out Paul George for Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Simonis? Um, there are mm-hmm. weird anomalies like that where it does end up working out. So it'll yeah, be interesting. Too. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But anyway, fellas, uh, Another great show. Thank you guys, uh, as always, for uh, joining me uh, in in our uh, weekly, uh, bi-weekly now, NBA Breakdown. We'll be back on Thursday, Mm -hmm. 9 o'clock, for another uh, 90-minute episode. Uh, Jawan, I know we got some interviews coming up. we got about 20 seconds left. You want to plug those real quick? Yes. Thursday, we do have an interview with the lead of Krypton. Friday, we have an interview with Emma Dumont, the lead of The Gifted. And Sunday, we have an interview with Ryan Potter, a.k.a. Beast Boy, of the new DC show Titans. So stay tuned for all of those, and I'll have more specific times on another show. (laughs) So that's about it. Awesome. All right, fellas. Uh, We'll see you on Thursday. Well, we'll see you next week, Joel, and uh, we'll see all of y'all on Thursday. Peace. Word. Peace.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.